Hello, welcome to the latest episode of House of League, another busy week in the world of Rugby League, and we are going to dissect it all with two special guests for the week. I can't even call you a special guest anymore, Cookie, because you're on it practically every week. Yeah, well, that's your, that's your call, Matt. <laughs> you're just like, you're just a mainstay now, just a mainstay, but it's good to have you on, on board again, and we have our Hull FC specialist, Dan Tomlinson. You may well have already gathered that Dan, having said... Um, are asking me to get him all Trafford hotels and travel arrangements booked after round two, as maybe now we're uh, thinking twice on that, aren't you, Dan? Yeah, it was a joke. Can we put that out there? I mean, it has been mentioned. <laughs> it, it was it was 100% a joke. I mean, anyone who's read my stuff or listened to me on these podcasts know I had all around the six to eight blocking soap league. So, yeah, I think that definitely needs clearing up a little bit. When when it were half time of round one and they were pumping Cass, Dan was giddy. Don't, do not tell me otherwise. But I'm old now. What am I? Thirty-one soon. I've been on the block with a cookie, especially. We know what Alessia like. We know not to get too excited. Yeah, that's very true. Well, look, we, we want to do a bit of a focus on on FC uh, here because, well. The the old wounds opened up again, didn't they? Pumped by Salford. It was it was ugly. There's very little getting away from that. It wasn't a good watch. It wasn't nice for anyone associated with a club to see. However, it happened. Um, but it, it did reiterate that all those problems from the last few years are still there. Cookie, you, you will have seen it. Uh, yeah. what, what was your take I thought that there would be a response from a pretty poor showing in, in France. Um, and I know when you go to France, and we spoke about this last week, Matt, that can happen. And it can happen when they get a roll on in the middle of the field and they control the game. And, and arguably what you would say about the LFC performance in France now is now having Catalan go to Wigan and win, and win not comfortably, but more comfortably, in my opinion, than the scoreline suggests, then they will do that to lots more teams in France. Salford won't put 60 on too many. Um, uh, but what they, what they have got is a really settled team, Salford. And I was at Warrington the week before, as you were, Matt, and there was phenomenal first half. And then Warrington turned it round with lots more football in the second half. But LSC just never got into the... Never, never stopped the momentum. I won't say they never got into the game because they took the lead, but they never stopped the momentum of Salford after that. And they made some very good Hull FC players look abject and average. Um, you know, some some of, some of the, the going on, if you like, or the incidents in the game. Jordan Lane and Danny Alton's miss on the front rower off a tap penalty is an absolute disgrace. You cannot miss that tackle. Miggy Sow got, listen, not run around, jogged around by Brody Croft for one of the tries. Love of those decisions on the edge will be scrutinised and scrutinised in team videos. And does that then say to you, is that the final straw with him playing three in defensively? Has he got to play as a nine or a 13 in the middle of the field? Because that's where he's used to defending. Now, Tony Smith, in my opinion, is trying to find these these combinations that will work for him. And he is finding that out. He's finding out seriously that they're not going to work for him. And... He's got some real decisions to make in terms of who he plays in which position um, and why when it comes to the next game. Dan, you've seen and and felt and been hurt by 
these drubbings uh, more more than most co- covering the club and obviously wanting the club to do well. But the the stats and, and you you lined out a few of them in, in one of your pieces after the game. The stats that relate to the amount of heavy defeats they've suffered is just it's just unacceptable, isn't it? There's there's no there's no real other way to put it. No, it's it's unacceptable. It's not good enough. And put some context in those stats. Fifth conceded a minimum of fifty points for twenty three times now in six years. <laughs> you know, there's no beating around the bush there. That's an utter disgrace. You know, that's a record that no one wants. It's it's not good enough. It's not acceptable when it is. It's disgusting. So that was the first thing Tony had to get rid of at this club. You know, try to eradicate those big defeats and and that capitulation out of this side. And you know, early doors, and you can sort of give them the benefit of the doubt with Catalans because I thought Catalans were exceptional that night. But to leak sixty in response on your own ground a week after, with you know a little bit of preparation and a little bit of recovery, which they spoke about during the week, is just it's just not good enough. And it just happens time and time again. It doesn't matter what personnel are here. It doesn't matter who the coach is, which to me suggests there's an underlying problem. And I think everyone knows that. Everyone's accepted it. And yeah, it, it, the, the bottom of the barrel is there's going to have to be a lot of ruthless decisions made at this club this year. There's over twenty players out of contract and. And the reality is that most of those des- don't deserve to go around again. They've had the benefit of the doubt in pre-season. They've had, you know, they've been buttered up, you know, fresh starts, you know, buy-ins and all that. But ultimately, the proof is in the pudding. It's about what you do on the field. And again, it's not good enough. You know, we're already four rounds in. So yes, they do have time on the side. But this isn't a one-time thing, is it? As I've just mentioned, it's been going on for far too long. It's been allowed to go on for far too long. And I look at LFC right now, I'm thinking, you know, where's the mentality? Where's the leadership within that group? Those who were supposed to be stepping up aren't doing so. You look at all five, six years ago, they had Frank Pritchard, they had, you know, Danny Alton in the form of his life, they had C. Kamaru, Mark Minicello, Gareth Ellis, you know, people who would bend over backwards for the club. I don't see that right now. Cookie, you just you've heard those stats there to concede more than 50, 23 times in such a, a small amount of time. How yeah. how on earth does that happen? How how can that happen so frequently? Well, so that's a, that's the million dollar question, Matt. Uh, ultimately, you're talking about over six years. That that six years spans into the end of 2017 when they won the Challenge Cup. So, you, when the, when you win a Challenge Cup and you go all the way in the Challenge Cup, especially when you haven't won it for such a length of time, at the end of the season you can get them blowouts. So you can understand towards the end of 2017 that you can get them blowouts. 2018, 2019, 2020. The people that match just uh, the people that Dan's just said they were still at the club, or some of them were still at the club, so they've gone from Challenge Cup winners to well, not deadbeats, but but in terms of being hammered at the end of a the season, they're part of that that cycle. Um, it's it's a really tough question to answer in terms of why does it happen. It happens for lots and lots of reasons. You know, they've been hammered by Catalan because Catalan was so good. Salford was really good too. There was ruthless, but what what the problem is with Salford is when Hull FC players did get their hands on Salford players, they bounced off or they made wrong decisions. And yes, that did happen at Catalan. But we, I think, people accept what can happen at Catalan when you go to Catalan, and it happens to a number of teams. Whereas Salford going away from home and and, and scoring sixty doesn't happen against too many teams, and it certainly doesn't happen the week after they've just been beaten. The team have just been beaten in France, as Dan said. Um, 
the really interesting one, what that the, the, the stats there is it's over three quarters of a season inside six years, and that's not good enough. And that is exactly what Dan says. It's disgusting. And the players have really got to have a look at that because if you're part of them drubbings and then you're continually part of them and then you're a part of this one that's just gone, then you're asking yourself, am I still, particularly after this one, am I still performing to a level which I need to to continue in the game? Or am I just am I just here to collect a wage and, and move and, and, and get out of here? And it's a, it's a tough one for Tony Smith because he's backed the players for this year. The other, the other aspect of it for me, Matt, what you just said, and I didn't know this until I'd read Dan's story this week, is there's 20 players out of contract and there's now 20 players that are unsure of their future next year. We spoke about this last week in terms of Castleford's players that are out of contract and the way they've started the season and also Warrington's situation the season before when they've had a shocking season and now they've sorted the roster out and they've got players on board that they want on board and retained them players with the out of contract players that they've released. They're now starting to bear a bit of fruition of, of the planning that's gone in place 12 months earlier. However, what you don't want to do then is say to any Hull FC fan, what we're doing is, is, is we're going to sort our roster out and we're going to coast through 2023 because that won't be acceptable either because the fans won't accept that and they want a team on the field that perform with pride and passion and that's all that they're asking. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a big issue that the FC have got. That this isn't a quick fix. This this is no. a monumental rebuild. And yeah, it's, I, it's, it's a it's a it's a two year job, isn't it? It's a two or three year job to get the sure. to get the players sorted, and particularly the first twelve months, Matt. You, there'll be there'll be twenty players there, and and there'll be there'll be less than twenty, obviously that that know that they're going to be leaving the club, but there'll be a ch- chunk of them players that are coming to the, the twilight zone of their career, that will know at the end of this season that they will most likely not be at the club. And they may or may, or may not have something sorted outside of rugby league to be able to move on to. But they've got 12 months to sort it. I was on the radio with Jamie Shaw the other week and, and I've read about him doing his bricklaying courses. So there's a there's a, a real proactive approach to whether he's going to finish or not. And he's only 30. There's players that are older than him in that squad that are arguably not going to be there next year. And I'm talking players that have been at the club a hell of a long time. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I got hammered a bit by FC fans at the start of the season because I tipped them to finish 11th. Um, now, I'm not even sure I still think that now because of the way Castleford are going. But the my my problem with them is the fact that the parallels, as you just pointed out, to Warrington's season last year, pretty striking the number of players off contract and how that doesn't work we've seen both Daryl and Cal Fitzpatrick say how that proved to be such a big issue for them I think the same issue happens at FC because let's be honest if if we're brutally honest how many of those those players is Tony going to want to take along with him on the journey a long-term journey I'm not sure there, there are many if I'm honest I don't think there are so then you've got that that you've got to deal with day in day out, week in, week out, game in, game out. That's a problem. I also think historically, you look at clubs who get new coaches in when they're coming in off the back of or at the start of a rebuild. The first year is normally poor. Daryl Powell, a good example. Ian Watson at Huddersfield, another good example. Don't forget Tony Smith in his first year at uh, FC, at KR, finished bottom with Hull KR. They stayed up because Toronto folded. And that's why that's why they stayed in Super League. So for me, I think it gets worse before it gets better for Hull FC. I think it will get better. 
I think it will get better, but I think there will be a lot of pain this year. Um, and to be honest, I think for Tony, I actually think what we saw happen on Saturday is good for him and his and his understanding of the club and the issues. I think it will do him a world of good to have experienced one of those capitulations, humiliations, whatever you want to call it, firsthand to understand and be in the inner sanctums to see why it's happened, what's going on when they do happen, which individuals, whether they be players, coaching staff, whoever within the club, uh, of helping cause that problem. I think it'll. I think it will have done Tony the world of good to have seen that happen firsthand. I, I get your point, Matt. I do, and I mean Tony's not daft. He's been around the block. He would have known some of these issues as well. Anyone who's watched the FC last year and saw them get beat sixty at Wigan, sixty to sixteen, or whatever it was against Leeds, again sixty points to six against St Helens at home after leading sixty after twenty minutes, they know these issues. You know, Tony's not. not he's not daft. He'll, he'll know this and. I get what you're saying. It will do him some good to actually see it firsthand through his own experience as head coach. And, and he'll know. He'll know. He'll be making these conversations with, you know, the board and obviously the people above now that who he wants to retain, who he's unsure of, who wants to show the door. And let's face it, there's going to be a lot, a lot in the latter in, in the latter category there because it just hasn't been good enough and it can't continue to go on. I mean, it is a rebuild job, 100%. It's a massive rebuild job. I've said this for ages. I said it when Brodson was at the club. It was never going to be a one to two year situation. And I got absolutely hammered for saying that, but that's the reality of it. It's, you were it right that. it's you not were a quick right. fix. It's not. It's a complete, utter overhaul of the club. And that takes time. That's the position Hull FC have got themselves into because because of the retention and the recruitment. It hasn't been good enough. That, it's not beating around the bush here. That's a fact. It's a cold, hard fact. It's got to improve. It's got to get better. They've got to make the right calls this year. They've got to hold the nerve now. They've got to hold the nerve and they've got to be patient to see it through. You know, they've been banging the drum about uh, the academy. Obviously, the work that they've done in the investment in the youth departments at the club. You've obviously got the training facility to be built at the University of Hull. Again, that all takes time. It's a long-term process. It's not just a flick of a switch and, oh, Hull of San Tony Smith was the new head coach. Everything's going to be fine now. No. I mean, I I brought everyone to tears last Autumn with my opinion pieces saying all I want to see from Hull FC this year is a side that fights every week, that shows desire, that doesn't throw in the towel, that doesn't fold under adversity. It plays a little bit of rugby on the back of that. And I think if Hull FC got that, you know, every week in Sublude this year, then they would have been knocking on the door of my prediction, which was sixth to eighth. Unfortunately, without those straights, then it comes to your prediction. And that's why I think you're going to end up being right, because this, this is going to happen again. This is going to get worse before it gets better. Well, FC will get mulled again this season. We'll be all scratching our heads thinking why, but the answers are there for us. You've just got to hold your nerve. We've got to be patient. They've got to make the right decisions and ultimately accept that it is a long-term process. Yeah, but you've you hit the nail on the head, bang on. I mean, there's not, there's not much more to add to it other than, you're right, there's going to be the majority in the latter. There's the majority that's going to be shown the door. Um, what, what Tony's really good at, and, that, and this is what... Uh, they, they want a team that will fight and that will fight under adversity and not fold. And they've got a coach who will show very little signs of pressure and he will challenge those 20 players plus the rest of the squad mentally to try and gain a contract and change his mind. Then it's up to the players, Matt. And and that's not about a, a coach giving them an ultimatum or giving them a choice or giving them an out. It's about a player looking in the mirror and saying, do I want to go out and bow out of my career? 
and leave this club or go anywhere else and not be retained, that there, there, there will be some players in that list that are, are young enough to still play again or go somewhere else. And if they're not performing at home, they're not going to get another club anyway. And there'll be those players at the club that will be moving on and leaving the club completely that have been stalwarts of the club. And do you want to bow out with a whimper? That's personal to me. The personal side of it then is, do I want to wake up every day knowing that I'm going to work just to pick a wage up or I'm going to work and I know I'm going to be going at the end of the season? So, Or do you want to personally have some pride and some some guts and character about you and go in and work your stones off every day and not kick stones because you're going to be leaving the club? Work hard every day for, for the club, for the fans, for the players, for your family, for yourself. Whoever it is, find that intrinsic motivation that allows you to play the best rugby of your life because you're coming to the end of, of, of your career in terms of rugby league and Hull FC. Um, so so it's, it's that, what happened at the weekend is partly a coaching thing because the coaches pick some players in position. I mean, to pick Lobadour in the halves and then he gets exposed tells you you shouldn't pick him in the halves and defend him free in anymore. Maybe that's the one game. Or maybe he goes again with him at another point in the season. Because don't forget, last year at Leeds, he played in the halves and played really well, Lovadoer. So there's times where you just have a bad day at the office. Tony's got to decide whether their bad days at the office are worth him playing them players in them positions. And then he's got to try and get the best out of them in another one. It's just a really tough job. And it's, as Dan says, it's no quick fix. It's just a, it's going to be a little bit of a long process. It's as simple as that. But ultimately... All the fans do want to see some effort and some some pride, you know, some determination. If you're going to hit somebody, hit them. Like Gareth Ellis hit people and they stayed hit. You know, you don't bounce off tackles and, and make the, the same misread three and four times in a game. It's, you know, or get ran around or, 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 you know, let Mark Sneed step three times before he goes through untouched on your own try line. You know, they're things that say there's a lack of effort. And when there's a lack of effort, you're either out the door or you're off the field and you're not playing anywhere. I remember the first thing Tony Smith said in his first media briefing. It was, my biggest thing is for my players to come off the field, look each other in the eye and say, regardless of the result, we couldn't have given any more today. Yeah, FC could not have said that on Saturday afternoon. They'd be delusional if they said anything of the sort. Some of those efforts, I mean, Cookie, you said them in the first point. <laughs> Tyler Dupree, when he bursted through, Jordan Lane and Danny Alton. That's pathetic. You know, that, that's what it is. You know I, know, I know some of those players don't like that sort of language, but that's the reality of it. It was. Love Jewel's attempt on Shane Wright. It's just not good enough. Mark Sneed dancing around th- uh, three players to score virtually under the sticks. Not good enough. Tim Lifefire right at the end brushing off four players to score a try. Not good enough. That's not acceptable. Those are efforts where you can come off the field and say, you know what, yeah, I couldn't have given any more. I've given me all today. No, you haven't because you've just been brushed off. You know, I see under 12s. I went and watched West Hill versus Hull Wake last week. They tackle better than that. It's not. It's just not good enough. It's not a one-time thing. Again, you can't reiterate re- the point that it's been going on for, for years now. And it's not just, like I say, one game here and one game there. It's happened so frequently. To concede 50 points again in 23 times in six years. I also don't include all the 38-6 defeats like you see at Catalans. What about the 38-4 that cost Lee Radford his job? You know, they've been hammered more times than anyone else in Super League over that period. And it's just how they can actually, you know, come off the field and look each other in the eye and accept that. I mean, if that was me, I'd be going absolutely mental. I go mental with me. I'm at the team and get beat, never mind professional rugby. 
you know, you, they've got to take a really long, hard look at themselves and realize that this isn't good enough and have and actually have the mentality and the strive to actually want to put it right. That's the thing that gets me watching all sometimes. I think, do I see that? No, I don't. There's not enough leadership within that group to, to dig themselves and dig in and, and get themselves out of those situations. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things. I think the, the one that got me more than anything, you mentioned that the Dupree one particularly was abysmal and that Sneed one. But you know that amazing try Salford scored? And it, and it was <clears throat> a wonderful try where the, in, Bradley broke through with the little quick inside pass. And it's a pretty wide it was nice try. Play, yeah. Unbelievable try. If you just watch the in, in back play, watch the chase back from some players. And yeah, that, the, and, that, just, and that's, and that's what Dan's talking about. Matt, isn't it? It's about it, that's it, it doesn't require talent to run and run as fast as you can. That means if you're if you're absolutely shattered in the game and you can you can run, you can probably run a little bit faster than running back like that. And and if you do run back as fast as you can, then that's the effort that you're talking about. Or you know, the, the try is a is a really good try and it's a well worked try. They've they've picked on a, a few defenders in the middle and then they've opened them up. You know, like done them up like a kipper, and that's not the first time Salford have played that play this year already. Matt, they've played that play this year already, and and it's been stopped and stifled. So, I mean, that that play, yes, is a, is an, an, an unbelievable play and a, a brilliant try, probably one of the tries of the weekend. The run back is is cause for concern. That's the cause for concern. The other cause for concern for me is, of the twenty players that are out of contract, is it is it July the first to, to find out? May the first. May the first. Yeah. Well, May the first is fast approaching, and that 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 sets nerves jangling a little bit, doesn't it? Because there'll be a few of them now that might be in for contract talks that that have had their agent go in and say, right, what's your plan with X, Y, and Z? These are my players. What's your plan with them? And the the agent's answer, the answer he will get from from Tony Smith and the club will be, how's about he concentrates on playing well on the field because what he's dishing up is a disgrace. Yeah. Can you argue with that? Can you argue with that if your agent comes back to you and says, this is what the club have said? Can you argue with it? Probably not. Probably not. So you're not, one, one, you're not going to get a contract at LFC unless it, you start playing better. And then on May the 1st, they then still may decide with eight, 16 of them players, we don't know what we're doing. So you're going to have to just hold it out. And they're going to, that's the nerve game that, that Dan was talking about. They're going to have to hold the nerve with some of it. Because there'll be players that'll be disgruntled that one, they haven't got a contract before May the first, two, they haven't got a contract after May the first, and three, they haven't got a club that wants them because they're not playing well. Well, there's only one way to fix all of that. One way to fix all of that is to look in the mirror and say, I'm going to do better. And if I do, then I'll have more options. Because right now I can't argue with the fact that my agent's gone in and they've said, Listen, off the back of that this performance, absolutely disgraceful. Don't don't come back to us until he's playing some better rugby league. I, I, for me, it, I'm gonna, this this might sound brutal. This might sound brutal, and and it might be unfair. But let's take what many perceive to be the top three for this year: Saint Helens, Wigan, Huddersfield. Some would throw Huddersfield, uh, Warrington in now, uh, naturally. But at the start of the season, most people saying they'd be around the top three. Who in the Hull FC squad would be of interest to those three clubs? Now, if if or you can even simplify it more than that. If you were looking to build a squad to win the Super League, 
Who would you take from OFC? Do you know who I might take? I might take Jack Brown, young British forward, good squad player, goes well in your salary cap, uh, potential to develop, da da da. I'm not sure I'd take anyone else. Yeah, but I might... you, the, the other thing, this is where this is where you this is the conversation that we've had lots of, Matt. He's spinning plates, so he might not need a Jack Brown, or Jack Brown might not be out of contract. Yeah. So, yeah. so all of a sudden, Jack Brown's not an option for you to take, but he's an option yeah. for for you to stay if you, if you've got him out of contract this year. You might want to tie him up because he's a young British forward and fits well into your salary cap. Ultimately, you can't save all them twenty players. There will be a lot of them that leave, but they won't be going to other clubs, so it won't be affecting anybody else's spinning of plates. But you've got to then nick a plate. You've got to take somebody else's plate. Or you've got to find somebody available from the other side of the world that can come in and help your squad. You can't just overhaul all 20 players because they're not playing well, because you've got to keep some of them and get better out of them, because you've got to build your squad. You can't just change all 20 and bring in all 20 new players, because that won't work either. So it's a really difficult job when it when it comes to them plates that we've always spoken about. You know, you're spinning a plate and you've got three fullbacks at the minute at the club. You don't need three. No. You don't need you don't need Shawl, Hoy and David Litton. You just need a Shawl and a Litton, a Hoy and a Litton. You don't really yeah. need a Hoy and a Shawl because they're both beyond good money. Yeah. Yeah. So then you've got to take one of them away and, and bring in a better better player that fills a hole of somewhere else in your salary cap. In terms of another position, because they're not light in terms of fullbacks, but they make the light in terms of back rowers or or an extra halfback. And I know they've lost two of the halves or two of them aren't playing at the minute, but it's a really tough job. You're talking about which other clubs will want other players. Well, you've got to try and get other clubs to give you other players or other players at clubs to come to your club. And off the yeah. back of their performances this year at Hull, Hull at the minute, and if it gets worse, as as we were predicting, it'll get worse before it gets better. Who's going to want to come and sign for Hull FC? No, it's it's fair. It's you know, and and then you have to pay over the odds to get them. Yeah, it's it's a challenge. It's it, look, it's not an easy one. What what I would say is, they have a man who I think most would agree has left clubs in a better position than when he inherited them. So. Tony's been here and done this before. He knows how to improve clubs. I think I, I do think they've got the right man in charge. Like un, undeniably, I think they've got the the right man in charge. But I do think it will get worse before it gets better. I think I'm not. I, I don't think relegation's a threat. But I I think they'll have another. I've said all along. I think they'll have another miserable year. I said to Dan after they beat Leeds. I still wasn't. I still wasn't convinced. I thought they beat a poor Leeds team. And they ultimately, as proven by results so far, beat a poor cast team. And and let's let's just put some context on that cast win, by the way. Cast scored 30 against them, right? Cast scored 30. In the last three games, in the three games since, Cass have scored 12 points in the last three games. What does that say about FC's defense? If you want to know, if you want to talk about FC's defense, four games in, they have the worst defensive record in the league. Tells you everything you need to know for me. You can't argue with any of it, Matt. And this is the problem. I want to disagree with you, but I can't. <laughs> and that's the reality of it. You just got to, there's got to be an acceptance that things aren't good enough. And that, I think that's the only way you get better once you actually accept that, that you need to get better. And Hull FC have been bottled up in you know, all autumn. And I'll 
you know, in club or sofa in that category. It's been a fresh start of buying. But to get that, you had to give them that, didn't you? You couldn't just bring up the past all the time. But unfortunately, when you get results and records and stats like that, it speaks for themselves. You can't hide under that. You can't go away from it. And then the past does get brought up because clearly they haven't they haven't moved on. They haven't addressed the flaws, the issues, and they ultimately haven't got better. But I agree with Tony being the right man. He's done this before. I mean, you look at what he did at Hull Kingston Rovers. I mean, they were bottom bottom of the pile 2020 next year you know not even 12 months later they're 80 minutes away from old trafford so it shows that they can do he can do a rebuild he's done it before you know he's done it at warrington he turned them to a mid-table club into a club that competed in the top four every year and won a couple of challenge cups to boot as well so he can do it he consolidated huddersfield as well exactly yeah he consolidated huddersfield obviously 10 leads around as well after a few mediocre years uh, I remember Cookie absolutely annihilating Leeds at the Boulevard when I was still a kid. So that was, that was the level Leeds were back at the time. But Tony Swift turned them around and turned them into. What, you try, what are you trying to say about Cookie? He was a very good player. <laughs> he was the rest of the team. That was good, Matt. I can assure you. Matt, you're right, though, Dan. You bang on with it, with everything you say. It's really. It, it, that was a really prominent what, what Dan just said. It's really hard to argue, even though you love the club and you want the club to do well. You just can't argue. You can't argue with the stats that you get delivered straight to your face every day. You can't argue with the fact that they've conceded all them points in in, in six years of rugby league. Over three quarters of a season, they've conceded more than 50 points. You can't argue with the fact that they've got the worst defensive record in the league this year after four games. And you can't argue that there's a massive rebuild that needs to be done. It's just difficult when you're in there. to. Well, it's not difficult for Tony Smith. It's difficult because... It's going, to, it's going to take time, but it, 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 they certainly got the guy in charge that won't panic. And ultimately, the owner's not got to panic either. Because you remember Warrington all last year? I mean, you'll have been there, Dan, at times Warrington have been beat. Um, but you remember Warrington last year, Matt, when how many boos, how many boos was he at half time and at the end of the game? I remember two of the players, Cooper and Curry, ended up over the advertising audience confronting a fan who was abusing them. Yeah, just last year. There, yeah, yeah, so 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 it listen. So all, all, but the owner stayed. The owner stayed calm. Didn't sack Daryl because he could have done. He could have sacked Daryl last year because of the abject performances when they finished in the position they did and they lost the games that they lost when they were seemingly in an unassailable lead. They got run down by Salford last year at home. That the, the conceded lots of points and lost lots of games by lots of points last year. But the owner remained strong and allowed Daryl to change the group of players within the club over time, over that 12 months. And all of a sudden, it bears a little bit of fruition this year. And, the, you know, the four from four. And they've had two really, really good wins away at Hull KR last week and away at Huddersfield two weeks ago. And in between that, they've beaten um, Leeds at a canter and beaten Salford from seemingly a position where last year they would have conceded 50. So... You know, you've just got to remain calm and not panic. And the easy thing for Adam Pearson to do is do what he's done before and panic and panic and, and say, I've got to change things because we're getting beat by and the people aren't coming anymore because they're not they're not they're, they're not seeing good rugby league or they're not seeing wins or they're not even seeing any effort and commitment. That's the coach's job. The coach's job is to deliver that and then change the roster. He's just got to remain patient too. The the, the thing on that as well. I might be jumping the gun here because it is only four rounds in, but you look at how Warrington are now going under Daryl Powell. 
they look like they were right to back him. And, and in fairness yeah. to Carl Fitzpatrick and everyone else on that board, their support of him was unwavering. You know, they, they got rid of players mid-season. When they fell out with Daryl, they got rid of them, including popular members like Mike Cooper. They backed him again in the recruitment market. That's maybe one thing Brett Hodgson didn't get as much of. However, they were they had their hands tied behind the back a little bit there because they never really had a load of cap space coming up. You know, they, well, they had... when when Warrington when Warrington got rid of Toby King, they swapped him for Joe Wardle at yeah. uh, Jake Wardle. So all yeah. of a sudden, you, you, you're swapping a couple of decent players there, aren't you? Who, who's going to want to take a whole FC player? No, you're right. You're right. You, you know. So, so you, what you say, and and off the back of last year, when Hull FC wasn't good, the the players that they've got to deal in the market with and swap in the market with, uh, are not players that you you would play top trumps with. No, no. I think the point I'm trying to yeah the the point I'm I'm trying to get to is this year they have loads of cap space becoming free where they they've never had that with with Brett. They, you know, yeah. they, they had to get rid of... They, they got rid of Fanua, didn't they, to free some up and, and did some work there. And they tried to do bits and bats in the season, but they never truly had the salary cap space to to really implement the changes that I think Brett wanted, but probably wouldn't have said publicly. This time, with Tony, they do have that cap space coming up. And I think that's the big difference for Hull. I think that's the positive for them now. They can... You know, and you can reflect on the retention that they did, um, you know, three or four years ago and, and question mm. some of that. But that there's no point really ruining over the past. The, the reality is they get another opportunity on the salary cap this time, a pretty big opportunity. They can't let this mistake go. But then comes back to what you're saying, Cookie, about, well, who's going to want to join them? You might have to pay over. So does the same problem persist? I don't know. That's up to the club to make sure that they get that right ultimately isn't it but they do have an opportunity and just to wrap this up on a slight positive what you can say for FC is there have been some positive developments in other areas so we look at the the academy that does seem to be getting better you know the results are good promising you would hope that in the next two or three years more of those players are going to be there to supply the first team the facilities is is naturally a, a good step forward as well um that that's going to improve. So, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. The the future off the field looks like in certain degrees is promising. And on the field, after this year, there is that opportunity, Dan, to have the, the proper reset, the proper refresh, restart that this club needs. Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head that Prodson didn't have that opportunity in the two years that he was here. I'm not saying Prodson was perfect by any stretch, but he knew he knew the problems. He exposed those problems. He made them well known and then got ultimately thrown under a bus because of it. And that's what happened. The results don't lie. The stats speak for themselves. They tell the story. So, yeah. But Hull FC off the field are completely different to what they are on the field. Off the field, they're becoming solvent again. You know, I was lucky enough to have an exclusive Q&A with Adam Pearson last month and you know, apart from the COVID loan, the club's the club's in a good place. You know, they've got a record amount of commercial partners. You know, they're seeing a really good place off the field. The new corporate lounge at match days, which has had over 300 in it, and it's already sold out for the derby next month. So, yeah, they're in a really good place. Shirt sales are good, merchandise sales, obviously sponsorship. You know, all that stuff, they're ticking all those boxes. And, you know, they're playing the best facility in Soap League, you know, every other 
every other week. You know, they've got fantastic training facilities, a, a solid academy, young players coming through wanting to play for the club. So all those boxes are ticked. It's just ultimately on the field that isn't good enough. It's far from good enough. And, and that's what they've got to improve, obviously, going forward. But yeah, Tony's got the luxury now of, of being able to really attack this squad and say, right, yeah, I want you. No, I don't want him. He can go. He can go. He can stay. Yeah, yeah, we'll do something with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vice versa. So it'd be really interesting to see what happens. And we're talking a lot of cap there as well. And let's be clear, Hull FC aren't running at cap this year anyway. They're actually... The two words that get mixed up are uh, salary cap and budget. Hull FC are at the top of their budget for this year, but they're not actually at the top of the salary cap. So that'll be interesting to see which direction they go. Next year, do they go back up to salary cap again or do they go back to their own personal budget? I mean, hopefully it'll be the former and not the latter and they can build you know, a really competitive squad here. But they're going to have to, you know, as I say, absolutely nail that retention and also add the right recruitment as well. And I think we all know the positions where that needs to start. I think back row is the most essential one for sure. Yeah, the thing the thing with the thing with that cap as well, Matt, would be how many of them players that are going in for contract renegotiations that he does retain can be seen as getting increased in salary? Not many. Yeah, he's, and, and and so so all of a sudden that, that you're not increasing them, you're leaving them stood still, or or even saying to them, listen, I'm going to incentivize you. I'm going to take you back to a contract where you've got to play really well, and and if you play five games straight, you might get an extra few grand here, or you know. So all of a sudden, it's on the player then to play well again because ultimately, they're on. If they're on a nice steady salary, they're not really justifying it at the minute. And and, and that probably won't matter which salary you're talking about because not one of them would say last week that they earned the salary uh, with with their performance. So there may be even more room. That the, the the real difficult then is to bring players into the club, and you will be paying over the odds. It's as simple as that. And we often do over in Hull anyway because you're getting them. Put the English players to come to the end of the M62. Um, you're getting the overseas players to come to a place where it's 60 miles from Leeds, which is the the, the next major city, Leeds, Manchester area. Whereas every other club's based around that. Um, Castleford's the closest to us at 40 odd miles. So, yeah, it's it's just a really tough job to get players to come in. But if you've got that money to spend, which is what you you're predicting here, then. But the man in charge to do that would be Tony Smith because he's got away with his words, hasn't he? In, in a way, he could sell sand to the Arabs, I guess. Yeah, and just to add, Salford were phenomenal. I don't want Salford fans moaning. We're not giving him any credit. No, I, I and, and I would say that, Matt. But be careful what you say with Salford fans because there was phenomenal for 40 minutes the week before and then there was phenomenal for 80 this week. There was phenomenal yeah, for 80. Absolutely. Uh, let's just wrap up some of the other games. Um I mean, Cass, we, we spoke a lot about Cass last week. I don't, there's nothing to add, is the cookie really? It's, it's the same again, no. but they, they are. The, 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 the difficulty there for Andy Last is he's got to try and get a tune out of them players, and they're very low on any kind of confidence. Um, they've got lots of them out of contracts at the end of the season, and there's lots of work to do in the short term there for Andy Last, so that relegation isn't an issue. At the minute, it only isn't because Wakefield is so poor. Um, yeah. So, so it's it's a big job. It's a big game on Thursday for, for them against Leeds because Leeds are off the back of a good win and 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 Cass have got to try and get something and jag a win from somewhere. Yeah. Just quickly on Huddersfield Cookie, um, it were I were interested with what Sam Tompkins was saying after the game about how he thinks that Will Price has to start. He says, you know, Ian Watson called him phenomenal. Would you put a phenomenal player on the bench? I just wondered what your take on that was, given there are the likes of 
Jake Connor to come in, to Will Olahia, Theo Farge, Ollie Russell, who played very well. What, what's your take on the Will Price one? Well, it, 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 he's, a, he's a very, very lucky coach, isn't he, in terms of the, the quality at his disposal. Um, you, you, don't, you don't always have to have a really phenomenal player that doesn't come off the bench because they can come off the bench and change the game. Um, you can bring them on at any time. So if you see it going wrong and drastically wrong and it's still nil-nil, you can bring Will Price on. If it's 12-nil, you can bring him on. You won't wait for, more than, for it to be more than 12-nil against your team to bring him on. But there's, there's times and places where you will bring him off the bench. You might see it fit that he comes off the bench and Russell starts with Fags and, and Lola here at fullback. But then he's got Jake Connor to fit in. So it's going to be a really tough one for Ian. And it, it, it may well be that it... it he gets it right more often than not. He might have to leave some good players out of the team for the reasons he wants to leave them out, horses for courses reasons. Um, on Thursday, great win for Catalans. Four from four. I did not see that coming at all. Uh, just the players they've got out. The the fact that they keep winning games is, is remarkable. Dan, in fairness, you, you said when they played FC that they were very good. Um but to go to Wigan and win without Tompkins, without Pierce, without Takiaho, that's, well, for, for me, you talk about team of the season so far, it, it has to be Catalans for me. 100%. And they do the basics so well. Uh, Steve McNamara came on Sky after the game and was waxing lyrical about it. It's nothing, you know, spectacular or anything like that, reinventing the wheel or. It's just honest, hard work, everything will FC aren't. So, yeah, fair play to Catalans. They've just got a good go forward. And I think Mickey McAlora and Hook has been outstanding. He's led his forwards around the park so badly. And they just play on the back of that when they need to. And they've got some flair in Tyrone Main. Obviously, a French fullback half a more at the back. So, yeah, they steered well. You know, McNamara's a very good coach. We all know that. He's, he's got a hell of a roster at his disposal there. And I don't think it was the first shot that Catalans do this year. You know, I tipped them to be in the top six and I stand by that. They're a very good organisation. They're getting better and better. You know, we talk about development and, you know, they're bringing through French players now, you know, quality French players as well. They're adding to their roster with those French players. So, yeah, they look a real good, strong force this season. Two will to call them grand final candidates. Cookie or have, have we seen enough to su- suggest so? Well, if you're going to do it after four games, then it's Warrant and Catalan, isn't it? Um, but, listen, it's... Far, far too early, but I, I like Dan. Uh, I've got him in the top six and comfortably in the top six, uh, along with Warrington, uh, Huddersfield, Wigan Saints. So, it, it, it the, the, there was in the grand final a couple of years ago, and they'll be desperate to want to get back there. And, and they're playing really solid rugby league, they're not they're not doing anything spectacular, as Dan's just said. I saw him against Lee, and I thought they were poor, which is why I backed the FC to beat them. Then I didn't think they'd back up and go to Wigan and win. So every time that you back against them, all of a sudden they come up with a performance like that. And they certainly want to, if not the team of the season, them and Warrington right now are, are, are both the, the, the ones that you would say are, are in the best form. Moving on back to Friday, Warrington, who you just mentioned, good win over Hull KR. Um, well, Hull KR have, have had a decent start. I think, I still think they'll be all right. But Warrington, they just... They, they seem to be overcoming all the challenges, you know, that there would have been an easy cop-out for them. The snow, long trip, you know, da-da-da. Well, it, it's it a game last... Year. I watched a game for the Man of Steel panel yesterday, and I watched it in full yesterday. They lose that game last year. I'll tell you now, they lose that game last year. And OK, I'll be kicking themselves that they haven't won because Ron Mills has dropped the ball over the line. They've been cleaned through a couple more times and dropped the football. OKR will be kicking themselves that they've not handed Warrington their first, win, their first loss. 
because they had every opportunity to win that game. And it was a game of rugby league, which was like war of attrition. It was one of them games. Lachlan Coop misses a goal kick to make it 12-12 and then Vaughan scores on the bell and it's 18-10. So both teams was well capable of winning that game. Um, What Warrington have done is what they haven't done for 12 months, which is ground out another result, the same way that they did the week before against, um, against Salford. And it was better against Huddersfield round one and the blue leads away in round two and then the blue leads away in round one. So they're, they're winning games that they certainly would have lost last year, but OKR will be kicking themselves because I believe they've had enough opportunities, clear opportunities to win the game uh, uh, last Friday against Warrington. Dan, I'll ask you as RFC, man, what do you make of KR? They showed some resilience, obviously, in the first two games. Obviously, you had luxury of watching them on TV, Channel 4 against Wigan, obviously on Sky against Salford, and and they did well. You know, they did what they needed to do, and you, you can't, you know, full credit to them. Um, obviously, they've got beaten in the two games since. You know, Lee was a sucker punch. I spoke to a few Rovers fans that I, I know after that, and they actually said that OK, I was becoming a little bit arrogant, which was, you know, not a word you want to be associated with your side. They thought they had the game won. It was only Lee. They could afford to rest this player, that player, not push this player in. You know, they bit them on the backside, but, you know, the fact that they're in games, you know, they're staying in the fight, they're in that wrestle, you know, they're in that that grind, if you like. You know, they've got, a, obviously, a strong forward pack now, that which is something they haven't had in recent years. You know, they've got good half, you know, good outside backs. They've got players still to come back into that side. Obviously, the captain, Sean Kenny Dow. You know, obviously, they've improved under Willie Peters and they'll continue to improve. But, yeah, I think the fact that they actually remain in competitive and they stay in the fight, is, is a credit to them. If they do that, then they'll give themselves the best opportunity of getting into the six. But obviously, it's a it's a long season ahead, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, Wakefield Leeds, I was at. I don't think I knew. Well, Dan, you definitely weren't there. I don't think you were there, Cookie, were you? No. No. Listen, <laughs> there was only going to be one winner. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and, and Wakefield, again, have shown some resilience to stay in the game, but Leeds have had that quality to go and blow them away in the, in the second half. The nil scoreline again is, is big for Wakefield because you can't continue not to score points because you'll never win a game. Um, it's as simple as that. Um, similar with Cass, isn't it? That It looks like it's them two towards the bottom end of the table at the minute and Cass have got a lot of improving to do and so have Wakefield. But Leeds have done the job and backing up after the emotion of the week before when they go to Saints, the, the World Club champions, and get a result, it's a, it's a decent result for the Rhinos. Yeah, they, look, Leeds were all right. Uh they were very poor first half. Second half they improved. They they did they did all right. They did all right. I, I've still not seen enough from Leeds to convince me they're going to be a big shaker this year. But they're also they're going to be they're going to be around the six. I think Wakefield three games without a point uh, is a Super League record. Never happened. So that's tells you everything you need to know. I don't think we can say anything new on, on Wakefield that we've not said already. Well, at least um, it's one record that OLFC haven't got, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, true, <laughs> true. Uh, and, and just lastly, the big one, about Lee. Lee beating St. Ellen's. Out, outrageous result. Well, the thing with Lee is, is that even when they've lost this year already, they've only lost by 10 to Salford and I think 14-6 at Catalan which was a really drab game of rugby. I watched that for the Man of Steel panel too. And that's what made me think, well, FC would go there and get a result the week after, stupidly. But there we are. And the, they've only lost games by 10 and 8. And then they've been in the games, which they've won, obviously, against Saints and OKR. So they, they, do, they remain in the fight. And there's a, there's a backs against the wall mentality. 
Um, and when you have that, it, galvan it can really galvanise your group into to doing special things. And right now they're doing special things, not just on the field, but off the field too. Dan, just from a Saints perspective, everyone is revelling in the fact that Saints have now lost two on the bounds, which, you know, in fairness, is the biggest compliment you can almost give them. No, surely no one's panicking, not panicking, or surely no one's getting too far ahead of themselves about Saints losing two games on the bounce, are they? No, of course not. The four in a row still play champions and they're just beating one of the best NRL teams in the NRL in the you know in the NRL era in Premier Panthers. So no, they've got no dramas there. It's just a little blip. We all have them. It's just how they respond. And I think Leslie, unfortunately, will bear the, the brunt of that on Friday. But no, Saints are an outstanding organisation. I know you'll cop a little bit of heat for how high you'll put them, but how can you argue against that? They've done what no other team's done in the Super League era, and they're, they're a phenomenal organisation. Play the game the right way. They're fast. They're aggressive. They're in your face. You know, they've got skill. They've got pace. They've got power. You know, there's nothing to dislike about them. And I think that's, that's the novelty thing in it. It's this, the fact that they are so good and the fact that they've been champions for so long and they've lost a couple of games it's like that that novelty factor in it and, but yeah they'll, they'll turn it around for sure I mean I don't think there's any doubt in the St. Helens camp or any worry or anything like that I think it'd be stupid if there was The thing with Saints Matt the thing for Saints for me is you could have kind of predicted it there was in my opinion there was quite fortunate to win at Cass mm. you know level drops the ball after 40 seconds and he should score Bretta Farimo is a duck egg and puts it on the puts his elbow on the in goal line. That could have well been a draw. On and Cass had other opportunities. Going over to Penrith was always emotionally going to take lots out of the Saints, particularly when they won. Even more so because the celebrations afterwards. They've come home and got a result against Cass, and then it's spot that it's fallen flat a little bit. And there was a danger of that. There was a massive danger of that flying all the way over the other side of the world. The journey back home was horrendous, and then it's sort of like, oh, thank God we're home and we can calm down a bit. And then teams capture, and that can happen. That can happen when you have, you know, how many times after a Challenge Cup final does the team that's won the Challenge Cup win the next week? Uh, and over the next month, how the, uh, the performances that are become a little bit concerning, if you like. The problem is in Coral FC this week is to go there, and there's going to have to be a response this week for Saints, and that could be damaging for all FC. But then, my, my argument yeah, then is surely, surely to God, there's got to be a response from them black and white players. Yeah, very true, very true. Well, it's an interesting time. game, Saints Friday. It will, it will. Well, that's where we're going to wrap up. Uh, big thanks to you, Cookie. Big thanks to you, Dan, for getting your thoughts on Hull FC and everything else. That was the latest episode of House of League. Plenty more of these to come week by week with plenty of guests, features, and whatever else. Make sure you enjoy the upcoming week of Rugby League, and uh, make sure you stay safe. Take care of it.